are today. Uh, haven't you enjoyed this season of prayer? Uh, we are today uh, ministering to the Lord and going to minister on ministering to the Lord. And so, um, you know, we had such a good time re in rehearsal, you know, you just kind of don't want to stop worshiping. Maybe your voice wants to stop for a second. I don't know, but um, I got some lozenges there if you want some. And uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. So he'll come back up in just a second and we'll continue to worship the Lord in song. I want to begin today um, in John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And uh, we're going to read most of the chapter. And then uh, if we have time, we'll get to a couple other passages. But what I want to do is I want to begin... Uh, reading in uh, verse, I don't know, three or four there, chapter four, and uh, just to give context, and then we'll we'll move forward. Well, might as well start with verse one. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize but his disciples. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Uh, then he came to, a city of, to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Just because you're born again, a child of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, doesn't mean you don't have a natural body that needs to rest. You have to take care of your body, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are the Lord's. And so Jesus came, uh, and he set to rest. Verse 7, there comes a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away to the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria to him, how is it? That you, being a Jew, are asking drink of me, who is a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that says to you, Give me to drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. I'm supposed to keep reading, but I don't want to. <laughs> if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God, do you know the gift of God? I'm not just talking about in someone else. I'm talking about the gift of God in you as a believer. 
Do you know the gift of God and who it is that speaks to you or said to you, give me drink, right? Verse 11. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. From where then can you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water, he's speaking of the water that's in that natural well. He said, whoever drinks of this water is going to thirst again. Whoever drinks of this water is going to thirst again. So you've got to keep coming to the well and drink. You're going to get thirsty again. You've got to go back to that well. You've got to drink again. But listen to what he says in verse 14. But whosoever, that's anybody, but anybody that drinks of the water that I shall give him, shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him. Oh. So this water's not coming from the ground anymore. This water shall be in him. This is so good. A well of water springing up into everlasting life. Or Aeonius Zoe. Zoe's, uh, if you look in the Gospel of John, the, the word for life is the original, comes from the original Greek word Zoe. Zoe, it means uh, the quality of life that God has. It's the God kind of life. It is the very nature of God. Zoe. The life of God. In John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief has come, but for to steal, kill, and destroy. In other words, the thief has not come to bless you. The thief has not come to help you. The thief has not come to enlighten you. He tries to appear that way many times. You know, the Bible says that Satan himself, what is it? If his messengers, Satan's messengers are deceiving because Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light or a messenger of light. In other words, well, that sounds good. That, that, that sounds godly. That sounds like the right thing. So, you know, the thoughts that come, uh, the influences that the enemy tries to put along your path and uh, put in your way, those influences, sometimes they seem seem right, especially to the flesh and especially to what's acceptable in society. But Jesus, he said, but I have come. So the enemy's come, the thief has come. He said, but, but I have come. In other words, the enemy may show up in your life to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, but I have come. The Lord lift up a standard against him. Hey, why? Hey, praise the Lord. He's going to be running around the church in just a minute. Give him a little bit. 
But I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Or sometimes I should say life to the full or life overflowing. Or in other words, the kind of life that I'm bringing is not just a natural human kind of life. This is divine life that is deposited on the inside of every believer. That you get the very life of God, the very nature of God. So let's read verse 14 again of chapter 4. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. So uh, the Samaritan woman is a natural woman, so she can only think naturally. So she's looking at the well the physical well and the water, the physical water. And she's obviously gone many times and drawn physical water with her physical strength, with her, with her natural human knowledge, many times. And so much so is she on the natural path of thought that when Jesus speaks, when Christ speaks, he speaks of things that are spiritual that will change what you see. And she's thinking, and therefore she's speaking about things that she sees that are insurmountable, that it has to be this way. So he's coming with a message that's going to totally supersede and go beyond her natural thinking. So she's going to grab hold of that natural thinking and just, just be so stubborn about having to know this herself. Apart from God, she's going to miss God. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is right there in her presence, just her and him. Whoever drinks of this water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water that I will give him will be in him. Say, in me. A well of water. Springing up into everlasting life. Have you ever just been super thirsty? Super thirsty? I'm talking naturally speaking. You are super thirsty. Sometimes you're like, you get thirsty enough, you'll kind of like go over almost anything just to get to the water. Because you are so thirsty. And Jesus is like, you don't have to come to a, a, a earthly place a specific city on the earth, a specific place in the city in order to get this water. In fact, this well or this spring or this flow of water is going to be in you. In other words, you're going to have this available all the time. But you've got to learn to draw from that well. Remember Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Not just a river, but rivers of living water. In other words, on the inside of every believer, there is a source of life so abundant, so great, so glorious, that, that it changes your perspective in every single situation. That you're never alone, and that you're never apart from satisfaction that goes beyond your flesh, that goes beyond your reasoning, that goes beyond uh, you know, satisfying your friends or your family. You have a satisfaction from God himself welling up on the inside of you, flowing on the inside of you, that you can draw from that well. All right. Praise the Lord.
Um, let's keep going. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband, and come back here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. <laughs> have you ever done that? The Lord's kind of like calling you out. And you're like, eh, I don't have that. Well, technically you don't, right? Uh, you have well said you have no husband. For you have five husbands. <laughs> You've had five husbands. And whom you have now is not your husband. You're telling the truth about that. <laughs> you know, she was married five times and she's sleeping with somebody. Let me put it in 2021 language. The woman said to him, this is a profound statement, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> Uh, our fathers <laughs> worshipped in this mountain. So maybe she's starting to get a little clue. Oh, maybe he's going to talk about something spiritual. <laughs> our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, wouldn't you have loved to just been there and seen the expressions on the face? As they're having this conversation, I would have loved it. Woman, believe me, the hour comes when you will neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. In other words, you don't even know what you worship. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour comes and now is, it's going to talk about you, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, how we love you. How we thank you. Your word is more precious than any amount of money. Your word is greater than the most magnificent meal. Father, thank you that your word feeds our spirits. That your word, yeah, sets us on the right path and helps us to clearly see what's going on. That your word is alive. That it affects us. Every part of our being. That your word is full of power. That your word separates between our emotions and our spirits, between our souls and our spirits. Father, we thank you for your word, that you've delivered your word to us. Father, I ask right now for every one of us that you'd give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing you. That the eyes of our spirits or the eyes of our understanding that deep within us, the real us, that we would have understanding which only you could grant, which only you could give, that we would know, Father, what you've called us to, the hope, that we know the inheritance, what, what we have in you, what you've given us, 
what the blood of Jesus paid for. Father, that we'd understand and know from the inside your truth and the reality in which you've caused us to live. We thank you for your life and for your nature within us and upon us. We thank you, Father, for stirring within us the heart cry and the hunger for your word. We hunger and thirst for you. We hunger and thirst for your righteousness, your truth. Thank you that you always do things right, that you always do things the right way, the holy way. Thank you that you've set us apart and set set us aside and made us holy, holy unto you. Father, teach us greater things about worshiping you. Teach us, Father, how to open, open our hearts wider to you. Father, teach us how to allow you within us to move and breathe, that in you we live and move and breathe and have our being. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So there's many prayers that you can pray. Uh, And there's many ways you can pray. But really one of the highest types of prayer is the prayer of praise and worship. Acts chapter 13. Let's turn to Acts chapter 13. Just the first couple verses of Acts chapter 13. I believe it's verse 2. Turn over there myself. Verse 1, now there were in the church at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, which is called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrenian and Manan, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said. Has the Holy Ghost been saying some stuff to you during this season? Sometimes you miss it because you're looking for like an audible voice or real distinct words, but has there been a witness on the inside of you? Have you had some some things that uh, you see now more clearly than what you have seen? Uh, Some things that the Lord has drawn your attention to? Uh, Some assignments maybe that you have? You might have assignments in prayer concerning other people or other nations or other things. You might have assignments in prayer concerning your family. You might have assignments concerning your own life that the Lord has said, give heed to this, listen to this, take care of this, Uh, give this up, or give this place. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit spoke, he said. Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and they sent them away. Uh, We're talking about ministering to the Lord. One of the greatest ways to minister to the Lord is to just begin to praise the Lord. Praise Him uh, from your spirit. Praise Him from your heart. Um. Uh, Paul said in Timothy, I, I, I desire that men everywhere pray, lifting up holy hands to God without wrath and doubting. That uh, you can pray, but you also got to praise. Now, 
Um, let me just read real quick Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Remember, Paul and Silas were in prison. And uh, verse 23, when they laid many stripes on them, so they were beaten, and they threw them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received, that's the jailer, such a charge, threw them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. In other words, they, they, they got stocks on their feet, and uh, they, uh, they're in the inner prison, the lower prison, the nasty prison, and they're all cut and bleeding because they've been beat. So it says, verse 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and complained to the Lord. No, I'm sorry. I was reading what I've done one time. All right, maybe more than one time. All right, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. There is nothing like Singing praise to God when everything else in your flesh and in your mind wants to complain and say, why me? I must not have been led by the Spirit of God because if I was, I wouldn't be, you know, beaten and bleeding and stuck in the prison. Obviously, I messed it up. But they didn't say that. It said they prayed, they turned the situation to God and sang praises. And so instead of looking at themselves and what they could do and what they could carry, they turned the whole thing and looked at God. And it's amazing when you stop and you look at God how amazing things uh, look and appear. I was just reading a story about, a, and I don't remember where it was or who and who it was, but, but it, 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 I was like, whoa, that, that's amazing. This uh, man, his wife, died, and he was so sad about it, of course. And uh, so he was uh, talking to the Lord about it and praying. You know what the Lord said to him? <laughs> this is hard on flesh. The Lord said, Do you love, did you love your wife? Do you love your wife? And he said, yes, I love my wife. He said, if you loved your wife, you would want what's best for her. You would want her to be full of enjoyment. And do you know what heaven's like? And he's like, yeah, it's wonderful. And he said, you're not loving your wife because you're thinking about yourself. You're thinking about how much you miss her. But she's here with me, and she's doing really well. And you know what this man said? He said, in that atmosphere, he said, it's not like I could talk to my wife, but he said, somehow the Lord let me know what she felt up in heaven. And he said, I, I, got, a, I got a taste of that in my spirit. He said, from that point forward, I had no more difficulty. Because I'm like, I do love my wife. And she's with you. Sometimes it's real easy, especially in that type of situation, you know, that you just clutch so tightly to natural things. Uh, a missionary by the name of Wayne Myers down in Mexico, I had the privilege of hearing him uh, one time on a missions trip many years ago, and uh, he said something uh, in his message that I'll never forget, and he said, live life in light of eternity. Live life in light of eternity. 
so that you have an eternal perspective and you see things. Uh, certainly, uh, it's not the will of God that, I, I, and that's why I don't even know the I don't even know the background of that story. I don't know if she lived a full life or what. I mean, it's not the will of God that anybody goes home early. That's not the plan of God. Uh, the devil's the thief. God's not the thief. Death is the enemy. Uh, so, so we're not um, advocating anything like that. But being as she's in heaven, the Lord said, "Do you love her?" And from that point forward, everything changed. So at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. I was thinking about that, and I thought, it's amazing that they, they prayed and sang praises, and all of a sudden there's a great earthquake and all the doors of the prison open up, so much so, I don't want to read it uh, just for sake of time, but you know, the, the guy, the jailer was going to kill himself because he thought all the prisoners left, obviously, because, you know, the doors opened up and, you know, but I thought, not only did the doors open up, their bands fell off. An earthquake does not release your bands. I mean, it can release it from the block of uh, granite that they're, you know, I don't know how they did it back then, drilled into or whatever, but your bands are still around your arms. And so they began to pray, uh, praise the Lord with a, a loud enough voice that says the prisoners heard them. So they lifted up their voice, and I think over in um, Chronicles when uh, the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir came against the children uh, of the Lord, and uh, basically they set themselves to seek the Lord and the Lord said, put the praisers out front. And it says, as they begin to sing and to praise, the Lord sent these ambushments against the enemy. So they actually killed each other. The enemy killed each other from the three places they were coming at them. And it said, afterwards, they spent three days gathering up the wealth of all the dead people who killed each other. All because they just began to praise the Lord. Instead of the situation, looking at the, the overwhelmingness and, and the challenges, they begin to praise the Lord, and they begin to look to the Lord. So I want us to do that this morning, and uh, I want us to just spend a few minutes uh, praising the Lord in song, and then praising the Lord as we pray. And uh, you can feel free to um, stand up, walk around, kneel down, uh, you know, let all things be done unto edifying. So uh, we're just going to take uh, a few moments and continue to worship the Lord. What a beautiful presence of the Lord is in here this morning because you're here. When believers come together, the Lord loves it when you worship. Something happens when you praise. Something happens when you worship the Lord. There's something about your praise that He likes. I think... I can have time to tell this one other thing. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to tell this for the sake of, I want you to understand how beautiful your praise is to the Lord. Uh, you all know that, um, well, I sound Southern, don't I? Um, you guys from the north. 
Um, we, my, Melody and I had such a privilege to travel with Kenneth E. Hagen before he went to heaven and learn so much from him and still learn a lot and still uh, end up recognizing like, oh, I didn't even know. I didn't, I didn't recognize that that happened. You know, and you, you have stuff the Lord give you. Well, you know, man, between 1947 and 1958, he had eight divinely granted appearances of Jesus Christ in vision. And many of those, the Lord, uh, three of those for an hour and a half, and the Lord taught him many different things. But, um, you know, that first vision talked a lot about the end times, talked a lot about the last days, um, gave him special anointing for healing and different type of ministry. But, you know, sometimes the Lord speaks to you and it's so easy to put your own interpretation on it. And uh, then you kind of go off and you don't honor it the way that you should and uh, you also don't maybe um, treat it the way you should. So in uh, 1962, I believe, yeah, he had a, another vision. While he was at the pulpit, and he was talking about when the Lord appeared to him in 1950, September 2nd, 1950. And while he was telling it, he was arrested by the Lord and realized he had put the wrong interpretation on that vision. And when that happened, another vision happened, and I'm going to read you a portion of that. It says, the Lord appeared to me. Uh, for the seventh time, December 1962, while I was conducting a meeting in Houston, Texas on December the 12th. I was telling the people how the Lord had appeared to me in the first vision in 1950, and as I related some of the things that the Lord had told me in that vision, I began to understand more clearly what he meant by some of those statements, and I also saw where I had failed to obey him completely. Immediately, I fell on my knees behind the pulpit. I began to cry and say, Lord, forgive me. I've not obeyed you fully. As I knelt there, I fell into a trance, such as Peter did on the housetop, when he had the vision and the sheet was let down from heaven by the four corners. That's in Acts chapter 10. Uh, by this method, God led Peter to bring the Gentiles to the kingdom of God. While I was in the trance, I saw a beautiful flower garden. It seemed to be a square garden with a white picket fence around it. It was overgrown with flowers. Climbing roses covered the fence in such profusion that it almost appeared to be a fence made entirely of flowers. In, inside the garden was a mass of flowers in full bloom. An arbor covered with climbing flowers stood in the middle of the garden. This sight was so glorious, it was absolutely indescribable. There are no words which, I, which could tell of its beauty. Such an aroma went up from these flowers that the fragrance seemed to be multiplied a hundredfold, forming a cloud of incense. I walked up to the garden from the east, and when I reached the gate, Jesus was there to open it for me. He stretched out his right hand, and taking my right hand in his, he pulled me through the gate into the garden. Then with his left hand, he closed the gate. He took me down a walkway through the middle of the garden to the arbor. He drew me under the arbor. I saw two white marble seats, one on either side of the arbor. Jesus sat down and invited me to sit down on the seat to the south side of the arbor. As I looked to him, I could see to the west of the garden. I asked, what does this mean? What are all these flowers? What do they represent? I've never seen any place like this in all my life or smelled any fragrance so magnificent. 
Sometimes the Holy Ghost comes in and you actually get a smell from heaven. Amazing. To the west, I saw, so that'd be, you know, he's sitting here, so it's looking that way. Uh, to the west, I saw flowing into the garden what looked like a river. It narrowed where it came into the garden. Then it seemed to become wider and wider, rising into the sky. It must have been 50 feet wide or more. The river appeared to be pouring tons of water into the garden. Then the water changed and ceased to be water. Instead of a river of water, it was a river of people. I saw men with silk top hats and long-tailed coats and women in evening gowns. I saw businessmen in smartly tailored suits and laborers and housewives with their work clothes and aprons on. I saw people of all sorts of them singing praises as they flowed into the garden. Then the Lord said to me, These people whom you are seeing flow like a river into the garden are what you've called denominational people or denominations other than the full gospel. In this day I am visiting hungry hearts everywhere. Wherever I find hearts that are open to me, in whatever church it may be, I will visit them in this hour and I will visit places you never would have thought I would visit. Not only what you call denominational churches, but I will also visit other religions where hearts are hungry and open to me. I will bring them into a full salvation and into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This river is all these people who will be called in those last days who will flow as one and who will come together as one. The beautiful aroma of these flowers is the praise of these people ascending into heaven even as the incense of old ascended to me. Isn't that beautiful? Well, I don't know about you, but I came from a denominational church. I'm one of those people flowing into that garden like a river. And I know a lot of people are. The Lord brought you into salvation, the fullness of the Spirit. You're one of those people. Wow. It's amazing. Let's, let's stand and let's sing. And where's my sheep? Uh, you think we could start with how great thou art? And I want you to, you know, draw an invisible circle around you and God. And I want you just to worship the Lord from your heart. No agenda except, Lord, I want to minister to you. You've ministered to me so many times. I just want to worship you. I just want to minister to you. I just want to pour my heart out to you. And then if you got some requests, uh, just see if you still have them at the end of the service because the Lord has a beautiful way of taking care of things. Well, let's just turn our hearts to the Lord and we're going to sing a few songs and you can be praying during these songs. You can be singing with us, worshiping the Lord. Just have your heart and attention on the Lord. Um, there is an experience after salvation called the baptism of the Holy Spirit and in that experience you, you begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives you utterance. You can sing in tongues. Uh, you can pray in tongues. If you're not filled with the Spirit you'd like to be, you come up, I'd be happy to pray with you. Um, uh, but you can also sing in the understanding and pray in the understanding. And so, uh, you know, he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men but to God. So you're going to praise an unknown tongue, rather. 
So you're going to be praying in other tongues? You're praying to the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're with us in the room or watching, listening, never given your life to Jesus, I want to invite you to do that right now. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. You've never experienced life until you've met him. And he loves you, and he wants you to be part of his family. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a few seconds, and when I do, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord, the Lord of your life, you're giving your whole life to him. If you want to do that, all you have to do is respond to the Spirit of God who's moving on you right now. What you do is you just simply, from your heart, you say this. Say it after me. Say, Oh God, I believe Jesus Christ is your Son. I believe in the power of the cross. That on that cross, He died for me. I accept that. I believe that you raised him from the dead for me. And I receive your son, Jesus Christ, to be my Lord, to be in charge of my life. I'm not living for myself any longer. Jesus is my Lord. Father God, Fill me with your spirit to overflowing. Thank you that I am now your child. I've been remade on the inside. In Jesus' name, amen.